I'm Christian Bush. And I'm Cindy Watts. Welcome to our podcast, 52. I turned 52 this year, believe it or not, and I am releasing 52 songs to celebrate. This podcast looks at the relationship between my 52 new songs and 52 of my most popular songs from my back catalog with plenty of stories and laughs along the way. Hi, Cindy Watts. Hi, Christian Bush. How is your... uh... How's your demeanor these days? It seems you're laughing a lot. You're extra funny today. <laughs> Let us, let's not judge that before we hear the dad jokes. Okay. All right. Yes. Um, <laughs> which, body, uh, which body part is most reliable? Which body part is most reliable, Christian? You can always count on your fingers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Are you ready? Uh-huh. What do you give an influencer with bad breath? What? A TikTok. <laughs> That's okay, terrible, then. right? That's it's terrible. like the worst of the worst. Yeah. And now, mm-hmm. now it gets much, much better. Who's okay. the fastest knight at the round table? Well, I only know one. So. <laughs> <laughs> Circumference. Oh my. Too much pie. Too much pie. Mm. okay then okay here's my favorite one you ready Uh uh-huh what did the sushi say to the bee what did the sushi say to the bee wasabi (laughs) (laughs) you see um much like the pairing today some of these jokes are happening they were great jokes when they were made they're just happening at the wrong time like that would have made my eight-year-old if he was still eight, laugh so hard he'd almost pee his pants. I was just thinking that it sounded like a joke my nine-year-old would tell. So we're on yeah. the same page there. Yeah. But alas, boy child is 20. <laughs> <laughs> and he might loop back around to enjoying the dad jokes. In like 30 years or something. Oh my gosh. Are you doing all right with the summer? Is summer melting you yet? Oh, it's pretty bad. It's my favorite lyric from Smokin' Dave and the Primo Dopes, one of the best bands from Knoxville, Tennessee. <laughs> Every summer I melt away. Might also be the best band name ever. Oh, of course. Yeah. You ready for our first pairing? Let's do it. All right. So um, today we are looking at two songs. We're looking at a song from 52 uh, called Working My Way Down. And we're pairing it with a not sexy song, uh, a Sugarland song called Love Me Like I'm Leaving. And you might be asking yourself, self, self, <laughs> why are we pairing these two songs? And, uh, and I humbly submit this to the journalist extraordinaire that these two songs help me uh, open up a discussion a dialogue about when songs appear. Right. Okay. And what that means uh, is a song sometimes shows up in the creator's life at a time that um, it shows up when it's supposed to show up. But your expectation as a creator is that it's showing up here for a reason. So I got to do something with it. 
right? And so you do your best to do something with it. And if it doesn't work, you say to yourself, oh, that must be a bad song, right? But these two songs are going to help me, help you, help me. Remember that songs may, they're like the karma train, right? They don't always show up on time, but they always pull into the station, right? So well, they're Easter eggs in your life when you need them. They, yeah. They, uh, what is it? Bruce Springsteen says, uh, great songs stay written, right? And uh, it's hard to believe when you're, um, you know, out there swinging at all the pitches, you know, like you do as a as a creator. So this first song, um, I'm so happy it's being released on 52, right? Because it's been sitting around since early 2012. So I wrote this song with my brother, Brandon, who at the time was in the band train, right? Um, and he might've been on the exiting side of leaving the band at the time. And, and Tim Owens, who I adore, and we were writing for another artist. This had nothing to do with Sugarland or me or even Train, but we were trying to use all of the things that Brandon learned in Train and I've learned in Sugarland to write a Brett Eldridge hit. So we wrote this with and for Brett Eldridge. Well, and the title is very Brett Eldridge, or it was very Brett Eldridge in 2012. Yeah, I didn't know him well, but when I met him, he was like, Mr. Ladies Man. Oh, yes. I mean, long, tall drink of water. He will. I mean, he could have talked me out, out of my shirt, you know, like he would have been like, hi, because he has a smooth voice and he's just always laughing and charming. It seems like he can drink more than everybody. So you don't really know what's happening when you're around him. I've known Brett a really long time. What do you mean since by a long time? 20, since probably before 2012. And I I remember chatting with him. We were supposed to be talking about music, but I think he was at the beach or he was on a boat and he was super distracted because there was girls in bikinis frolicking nearby and had to be like, Brett, over here. Over here, Brett. Squirrel. Squirrel. Yeah, over here. <laughs> So, yeah, no, working, working my way down, Brett Eldridge makes total sense to well, me. Yeah. I, I, we thought it, it fit his brand perfectly at the yeah. time. And, uh, and Brett even sang the demo down. Like I sent it to him after Brandon and I made it and I sent it to him and he sent it back. And then for whatever reason, the world of record companies and fate the song just didn't get picked and that's okay for whatever reason. You'd have to tell yourself that was a swing and a miss. Right. But the song kept hanging out and there's a thing about country music that's, um, and it's really not just specific to country music. It's kind of most of the commercial music business where they always react to tempo. So things that Mm -hmm. are more energetic or faster, seems to automatically translate to better. It not all, it doesn't mean much, but if you are a person in the commercial side making decisions, it's easier for you to sell something that's faster 
than it is for you to sell a ballad. Aren't there more spots on radio playlists for tempo songs than there are for ballads? Isn't that why it's easier to get them on radio? I think it's because they're over quicker. <laughs> well, okay. I, but I don't know. I mean, it's my experience is already years old, right? Even my third shot at country radio that I got. Um, it seemed that those rules were uh, the shorter, the better, right? Um, the more uh, reactive. So the, what do they call it? Not sticky. They call it familiar, right? The familiarity has to be really high. And then, uh, or the, so it researches. And then more along the lines of, um, does make you feel a certain way, right? And inevitably the radio plays mid-tempo songs even though they ask for tempo songs and they will never play a ballad unless they'll play one like we got stay little big town got girl crush like but you're just not going to get two right you know in your life cycle on the radio but we thought this was going to just like completely go through the goalpost for him uh and it didn't work out but it still hung out in my catalog and everyone who ever heard it after that um, was like, Oh my God, what is that song? And then they were like, who is that? And so very quickly I re-recorded it without Brett's voice because it, if he was singing it and it wasn't on a record yet, it meant it was a failure. That makes sense. So I re- went in and sang it and, um, then it just sat there and sat there and sat there. And as I was looking for summer songs for this, I realized that this song was awesome. As long as you could honestly get okay with how steamy it is because it's a i want to unbutton your buttons <laughs> you know like it's that kind of song and it's not necessarily something you associate with me you know like you know like christian check him out man he's a guy's gonna do that you know it, oh lord right i my brand is a little bit different than say that guy in 2012 uh, but your shirt does match a cucumber today now you're just flicking me blush. <laughs> I think we should just listen to the song and then you can make fun of me later. I'm not making fun of you. I know. All right. Here it is from 52. Working my way down. I couldn't help but pull that ribbon out of your head. I can tell where this is going by the way it's staring. Gonna let me steal the flavor from your lips Leave a little trail of kisses on your neck Your shoulders showing signs of giving up that dress If you let it happen, it's gonna happen
you know, I think I'm going to have to hit the reset button today. My, my mind is just naughtier than yours. It's like, you're, you know, like saying, you know, it's like, you're talking about things being fast and sticky and my brain is, there's just so much innuendo flying in my head that you don't really mean. So I might have to like step out and come back in. Oh my gosh. So I have, <laughs> I have a legitimate gender question. Okay. All right. Are women's minds just dirtier than men and men's are just on at a low tilt and women just like when activated, they are just much worse than men? A case study would say yes. <laughs> yeah. I, so. I, I mean, I, I know that at the end of the day, when I talk about, uh, I have this discussion a lot in my, in my house with daughter and boy child. Right. And we talk about how girls are just meaner. I think they are. And, and men actually at a certain point just don't want to fight. They don't, they just want one person to be in charge. We could fight it out if it's a problem, but mostly we'd really love to just push each other and just sort of call it, (laughs) you know, like, but girls would be like, yeah, and, and forever. (laughs) Well, I think that's an age thing too, though. It's like. Right now, I will walk away from almost anything. Yeah. Other than have a fight about it. Oh I, well, that that could be very true. But again, like an, I think it's an age thing. More it 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 may be a gender thing until you're like. 40. Okay. Well, maybe the reverse. The other part of this is true, which is I know men have dirty boys have dirty minds, mm-hmm. right? Because I mean, just look at Blink One Eighty Two, like pee pee poo poo, like <clears throat> they even put it in songs when they're thirty, but. It maybe it just stays at one level and doesn't really elevate because they don't really get dirtier. They're just dirty because they're boys. And then it's really all fluff. And girls are probably like dirty, dirty. Well, you know, I think you're you spend your life growing up and you're, you know, the women in your life are shaking your finger at you going, that's gross. Don't be that way. We don't like that. And then when women get to a certain age, we're just like, screw it. I'm just going to say it. Say it all of it. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. So So maybe what you're doing is make me not feel so bad about being 52 years old and just releasing a song called I'm I'm working my way down. I'm empowering you. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) And your cucumber headphones too. (laughs) All of it. Headphones, t-shirt. Oh Lord. All green. Oh my gosh. There's a sign on the wall, a green sign on the wall that says explore. It does. It does. Yeah. <laughs> that was more about outside, but I get it. <laughs> the great outdoors. Uh, great indoors. So, so did this song sound like it was 2015? No. Now that we've talked about it that way? No. I don't think so. And because and, it feels to me like... Um, it, it reads the same now, even though I'm at a different age, I feel like I could more own what I was just like promoting for Brett at that time. Like I was too shy to be even starting at the top and getting halfway down, you know, like in 2012, you were too, yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I was, I I, I was a late self-confidence bloomer. I hid behind guitars for a long time. Um, but it feels to me that the the song, not just the kernel of the song, but those that was the actual recording. 
right from 2012 and i just remixed it well i think it the last you know gosh decade it's not only giving you time to gain confidence but also reframe your thought process about it in your head because you know when you wrote it you thought it was going to be one thing right and it, i think it, when you create something with one thought in mind it takes you a really long time to be able to think about it like something else so you wrote it for brett it took you a decade to be able to consider it a christian song yeah fascinating and I let people get in my head about it, too. I remember at the time, uh, I had a couple people in my my orbit that were like, oh, man, you, you can't sing that. That's not appropriate. Well, they can take their cue. And I was like, huh, interesting. So um, the, I'm pairing this with a, a Sugarland song this week called Love Me Like I'm Leaving, which um, was written uh, even before that. So if you can imagine, we were on, it must have been 2011 or 2010, and we had been approached, uh, maybe it was 2011, we had been approached by the record label to make a best of, and at that time was the very last sort of vestiges of best ofs, because soon after, a couple years later, you're going to get Spotify. Right. right. And you're going to have playlists that where you can just create the best of. Right. You don't have to sell it. Mm-hmm. And at up until that point, we had gotten things like live like you were dying as the one song on a Tim McGraw best of. It was the one added single, you know, and th- it was an opportunity to service another song to the radio. But because Incredible Machine had moved the arrow so intensely into rock being mixed with our country that the label was worried that we were losing a country audience so they said will you and and it wasn't even like uh it felt it felt more like back like like i don't know like backroom discussions like hey christian can you make sure that you guys end up with country music. And it was the first time I kind of looked at the label as talking to us separately. Mm. Suddenly, uh, unbeknownst to me, this had been going on for a long time. <laughs> this is just the first time they had been talking to me about it. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, of, well, of course. So um, I called Tim Owens, who also wrote mm-hmm. my way down. And he came to Atlanta and I said, Tim, Jennifer, look, they're a little worried about us um, wanting to have stuff that lands a little bit more in the country vein for a best of. So let's write some songs. And we wrote a song called I'm not Juliet. Hmm. And we wrote uh, love me like I'm leaving. And I, I even, I think I even have here, this is us writing it. That's our, uh, that's our little studio in Atlanta that I still work in. I love the sound of that little room. In Sounds the great. closet, right there in the bag. If you want it, I'll go get my bag. And that's a tenor guitar. It only has four strings. You 
so that was supposed to be like country country is what we were thinking like i could turn yeah. that into and i think everyone was still trying to chase stay a little bit yeah and i i was aware of that so but um i, I did love the idea and i believe it was jennifer's idea it might have been Tim's, but I don't think it was mine. But the the way that in a relationship that is deeply um, on again, off again, this weirdness of until you're threatened to leave, you know, until you thre- threaten to leave, it, if the risk isn't high enough, then the relationship doesn't activate its repair system, right? Like the moment you are like, okay, I'm out there like, wait, 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 wait what? Like as if one person really thought that, oh, we can just be upset and be angry with each other up until a certain point. You know, it's it's a safe zone to be fighting, right? And I, I just didn't come from that background. Mm-mm. Like some fighting means it's going to either lead to more fighting or less fighting. But if it's more fighting, then I don't want to be here. Right. I think right? I just died inside a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> but it's that kind of weird... Yeah. So, and different people from different cultures, you know, they, they have relationships in other ways. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm sure that Netflix and everything has taught me that there are a lot of different kinds of people in the world that do things in a lot of different ways that maybe network television didn't describe to me. All right. Well, I think we're both ag- agreeable Pisces in I don't know if, if to me, like if I say I'm, I'm leaving, I'm probably going. So the idea right. that, um, <laughs> but no, I know people do that. I think it's scary. I think it's a scary idea that that's how it works, but it does. Uh, I, I know. So anyways, we wrote this song and, uh, sent it to them and they were, they were like, great. So when, so we went to New York and we recorded it along with uh, a song called take me for a ride. Mm-hmm. which is awesome. And a song that we had written with Jeff Cohen years before. And then uh, another song, what was the third one? I think it's, I'm not Juliet. I think that's what that was the third one we did. And then those songs never got released because uh, the person who owned the label, uh, ran the label at the time, Luke Lewis left and they, uh, in the transition somehow deemed uh, that that was not a, project that was going to go forward and typically jennifer and i didn't overwrite there are no leftover sugarland songs right unless they're songs i have in my computer (laughs) but the label doesn't usually but they have those three so when it was time to put out bigger and we were looking for more songs um i went back and listened to those and i just loved this song because of the I could see, I could visualize everything that we were talking about, but it was the right song for the right thing that if I had looked at it one way, I'd have felt like, again, it was a failure. It was just, oh, they must, they must not want this. Or we didn't, we didn't write a good enough song or we didn't try hard enough. It's a lot of things you do as an artist. Like no one's giving you the explanation and most people are lying. They're like, oh, no, it was circumstance. Oh, no, it was this. Oh, no, it's that. And then some of them will then just tell you, hey, you know what? That song is too long. That song is too slow. That song is too sad. That song is too fast. That song is too, like, you, the, um, they're in the job of giving you 
information that makes them feel better about not playing it. (laughs) Well, I'm fighting the urge to like stand up for you to you right now because it's okay. In that merger, like, or not that merge. Well, it was a merger in that merger. There were so many artists who lost projects. Yeah. You know, it's like, I have very clear memories of, I mean, you didn't even play me those songs at that time, but other people did. Other people had played me their music and they were so excited about it coming out. And then that merger happened and it didn't. So friends don't think that, you know, these songs were bad and that's why the Sugarland songs didn't come out. It's, it's just (laughs) politics. It's label politics. But, but um, I guess my point is that the artist brain absorbs all this stuff, right? And you try to make sense of it in your own mind. And at the time, one of the things I thought was, oh, I wasn't good enough at writing country songs to, to move the needle for this project. Obviously that's not true. I've proved that that's not true since then, but, um, it, it was a really easy way to leave that song somewhere deep in your hard drive. You'll never see again. Right. And this kind of interesting moment of let's, Let's go do it again. So uh, when I put it back on the plate for Bigger, Jennifer's like, oh, yeah, I remember that song. And I was like, yeah. And it Bigger was a very odd recording process. We did it in a couple of days. I remember that. And in at least, I only had her for a day or two where she could sing. And she had to go do something else or she was on her way through or whatever. And so this song itself, I recorded and did all the music and did all the stuff for without her in the room. And then she came back the next day and sang it first before we started tracking the rest of the stuff because she couldn't hang out that late. Either she was parenting or something. So I was obsessed with what I could create out of this song that was a good 12 years, 15 years back in time. And, and what would it be? So, uh, all right, here it is, um, from Sugarland's bigger. This is love me like I'm leaving. If you want it, I'll go get my bag And I'll say it's the end of us And you'll ask me if I love you Well, I must I'll turn and walk right out the door 
think it's stunning i think that if people could love each other like they were leaving before they were leaving then they wouldn't be leaving right (laughs) i always joked that uh while the other song was called stay uh stay this song was just go (laughs) 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 i was like like i'm out yeah (laughs) stay and time to go yeah well i always love that about kind of the conversation and the longer conversation about sugarland which is this how do you, what, what, what does your song give the listener permission to do? Right. 
And I love that as a question. I, I ask it all the time of myself. Um, and this song gives you permission to a forgive yourself for being in a codependent relationship. Um, that always gets to this point and for waiting this long to do what you know you've been wanting to do. But also it gives you a pretty easy blueprint. Like, you know, how about, how about we do this one more time with feeling, (laughs) you know, your lines (laughs) and, and, and I can, you can really love me this time. Like I'm leaving cause I'm out. But what happens if you go to the car and put the key in the ignition because you think they're going to chase you and they don't. I think that's the great part of the song is that uh, if for, you can't, you can't play that game anymore. You got to, at some point you got to give up that some, game. Yeah. You got to go. Whatever your game is. It doesn't have to be this game, but whatever your dynamic is, um, there is a, well, okay. I thought it would be different, but it's just not like the zebra is the zebra. Yeah. <laughs> But I, you can tell that I very much countrified that because that was like Graham and Emmy Lou at this point. <laughs> like There's said, a little flying burrito brothers on that. I think it's beautiful. I think it's stunning. And I think it does what country music is, what good country music is supposed to do, right? Which is make you feel something yeah. and spark conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And it's telling a story. If you listen close enough, you get all the kind of fun little details of the story. Yeah. It's like and, the hands are on the hood and I'm thinking just put the car in reverse. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's just a, it's just a bunch of real interesting images to me, but I've always loved it. And I love that it eventually made it to where it was supposed to be. You know, it was supposed to be on a, a country song on a Sugarland record. Yeah. Right. It's just that circumstance at the time like a weird romantic comedy, <laughs> you write the song and then there you're like, Oh, this is where it's supposed to go. And it's not. And you're like, Oh, this is heartbreaking. But you know what? Hang in till the end of the movie. You know, every song finds its place is kind of the, the lesson of this pairing. And I'm trying to tell myself this as much as I'm trying to say it on a microphone. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, I've just written, you know, I don't know, 18 songs in the last two and a half weeks. And some sort of weird binge I'm on right now. Oh my goodness. And uh, I'm absolutely convinced these songs will never go anywhere. <laughs> oh. it, it's the artist's brain. You gotta let, you gotta give me space to run. But um, I'm reminding myself with this episode, uh, don't panic. You know, put on the peril sensitive sunglasses. You're, you're just right now funding the next large project. <laughs> exactly. That you drop. <laughs> creatively funding the next large project. Well, I think I learned a lot this week about, um, the dirtiness of women. I just, I always considered them clean, little pristine angel people from heaven. Well, some of them probably are, but I spent 20 years in a newsroom with men. Oh you know? gosh, I'm so sorry. And and in the music business with men, that, so, I'm even more sorry about that. You know, I mean, I'm I'm probably not a good representation. You are a perfect representation. <laughs> are you kidding? You're awesome. All right, I promise all the dad jokes henceforth shall be less embarrassing. Oh, I wasn't embarrassed. You're the one who blushed. I was the one who blushed. Okay, till next week. Right, bye. bye. 
Hey everybody, Christian Bush here. Cindy Watts. And we would like to thank you for joining us for another episode of 52. If you'd like to write us with questions or comments, you can contact us at 52thepodcast at gmail.com. That is the number 52, or by leaving us a voicemail at 803-900-5252. Also, remember, the best way to help us is to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Please and thank you. You can follow me at Christian Bush on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you can follow Cindy at Cindy Watts on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Thank you for listening and please join us next week.